to our beautiful deep community, I want to assure you the deeper is going nowhere and the same incredible content will be released every week, but now through Arise. It is going to be less trauma heavy and more inspirational, uplifting, but it will still challenge and push you to grow. For all your deeper episodes, they are still available every fortnight. You can still get your deep hit with the deeper subscription. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. And I was adamant, I can't do this again. Like I can't go through this again and he was adamant, you know, like even before him going into rehab those times, he'd be on his knees crying, begging to me to not have to go and that he won't do it again. And like to see a grown man crying on his knees in front of you, begging, like it's heartbreaking to see. Welcome to The Deep. I'm Zoe Marshall. In my early 20s, a lot of traumatic things happened. And ever since then, I have had this fascination with people and their stories. This is The Deep. Today's episode is about a woman named Sally. She was originally a major fan of The Deep, has listened to every episode. Then she reached out, ready to share her story. It's a big one, a sad one, traumatic It's about when the person you love, your partner, your husband, the one you see forever, becomes addicted to meth. The story is sad, it's traumatic, and it is ongoing. Here it is. Content warning. If you're suffering or triggered by the themes of this podcast, help services are listed in the show notes. Sally, welcome to The Deep. Thank you for having me. It's really nice to have you because you're actually a listener. Yes. And we've gone full circle because you reached out to us about your story, which is quite devastating. So is that a weird feeling now being interviewed when you've heard so many other stories first? Yeah, I've been listening since I think it was Kate your second ever episode. And then since that one, I listened to the first and I've been listening ever since and I just didn't hear a story quite like mine or someone in my position because I know when I was going through it I searched the web and YouTube trying to find someone who was going through what I was going through to relate and kind of get answers and I couldn't find that yeah Yeah. this is really great then okay so then we're doing a service for others yes let's jump into it you I'm assuming married someone you were madly in love with yes had babies with Yes. Um, living a beautiful life with. Yes. And something happened in 2014. Can you take me there? So I was um, like six months pregnant with our first and everything was going amazing. I was living my dream life. I was madly in love. Like everything was what I ever wanted. And then I just noticed a text message on his phone It didn't exactly say he was buying drugs, but something along the lines of that. And I've never done drugs in my life ever. Like, I don't even know what they are. I'm a social drinker. I don't drink huge. I've never been in that environment or lifestyle. And I kind of asked him, what was that? And he kind of just brushed it off. It was like, oh, I've been looking for the right time to tell you. And I was like, that you're doing drugs? And he was just like, oh, yeah, but it's, he just downplayed it. He's like, it's nothing. It's just something that keeps me awake and helps me, gives me energy because he works nights. Um, okay. He just gave me that energy. And I was like, okay. And I didn't know what it was. He just made it out to sound like it was some tablet, essentially, that just like a no-dose. It gave him energy. So I just was like, well, you're obviously going to stop. At that point, did you say what was the name of the drug? No, I didn't. He didn't okay. say anything. And I was, I was quite young. Like I met him when I was 19. So mm-hmm. I was quite naive in it all. I don't know what drugs are. So I just assumed 
something like there was an argument involved. I was very upset because I was pregnant and I was like, what does this mean? And he was like, no, I'm obviously going to stop. And I'm like, well, you better like, Mm. you know, and I just figured it was as easy as that. Okay. So how old are you at this point? 21. Okay. So when he was at home with you, was he acting mostly normal still? Yes. I would never have suspected a thing ever. So he was still sleeping. Yep. Eating. He did work nights. So his sleeping was all over the shop in general. Mm -hmm. So that's something I would never have really suspected or picked up as abnormal. But otherwise Mm. he was eating. He was doing everything completely normal. All he would do was go to work and come home and be with me. Okay. So he wasn't even doing this with other people. Like it made sense with his story. Yes. It all lined up. Yes. Okay. So then where, where do you start to see some unraveling? After our daughter was born, I kind of, she had a milk intolerance, which we didn't know at the time, but she was not sleeping, screaming. I wasn't coping. He was trying to work. He started to get very frustrated with her, as was I, obviously. But in my partner of having a new baby, he was the person I was meant to be able to rely on. Of course. Like when I would call him crying, he would come home and instead of, you know, taking her to let me decompress for a moment, yeah. yeah, I would just hear him getting frustrated with her. And then I would start crying, coming out, going, you can't do that. She's a baby. Like she doesn't understand. Like, but it was just always up and down. And I am, I'm not a, I'm a very go with the flow person in general. So I get over things quite quickly. So it never really bothered me. I would kind of get heated in the moment and then I would just move past it. But I guess things started to unravel when I found out what it was. And how did you find that out? It was after our wedding, a few months after that, we got um, married when our daughter was nearly two. And I would always check his messages. That's the only way I would find out if he was using or not. And I would, I checked his message and I seen a message from one of our family friends and they said what it was in the message. And I just flipped out. And this family friend said it was meth. And did they know that because they were doing it with him? No, I think they just knew he dabbled in it. And one of his friends he used to work with, um, did it with him when they worked together. And I think they just found out that way and they didn't say anything to me. They messaged him this huge message kind of saying, you need to stop. Like this isn't a joke. A warning message. So you had heard of the word meth before. Yes. So your correlation with that was it's really bad. Yeah. And then this message was of concern, right? So you're now going, whether you knew drugs or not, when you were growing up or you were a young adult, you were like, this is, this is bad. Yeah. Like all drugs are bad, but I, you know, you know, the top ones that are really bad. And so what, what was your next step? Like you get this message. I can imagine your whole body is just filled. I was freaking out and I called her and I said, I've just seen your message. And she was just like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean for you to see that. Like, and I was like, what do you mean? Like, why wouldn't you tell me? (laughs) Yeah that he was doing this. Like I knew he was dabbling in something, but I didn't know it was this. So I kind of confronted him about it. So how did that go? It was a huge fight. He kind of just said, you don't even understand what it is. It's not as bad as, you know, the world makes it out to be. It's nothing. I can stop at any time. I don't need it. I'm not an addict. Like just all those excuses. Um, that he was doing it for our family, for us to get ahead and, you know, so that I could stay at home and be a mum with our youngest and all of those things. So was at this point him still using it for work? Was that? Yes, that was always the reason and the excuse because his job was so high demand and we kind of had our own business as well. Um, okay. So that's how he always justified it. Okay, okay. So, I mean... We all know from listening to this podcast and speaking to addicts for long enough that they all say that, right? They all say that thing. And this is your first experience with that. So at this point, you believe that he he can handle it? Yes, I believe he's going to stop. Like he promises me and like he says, he's going to stop. And he doesn't? No, he does for a while. 
He and does stop? Yeah, he could easily stop. So he stop. could stop. Oh, he wow. He could stop easily. He'd sleep for a couple days and then he'd stop. He'd be fine. But when he was like abstaining, I call it, because it's not doing anything about your addiction. It's just abstaining. It doesn't work. He would abstain, which meant he didn't want to work. He had no energy. He was tired all the time. He didn't want to go. Like, he just wanted to be with us and be at home, which meant obviously no money was coming in. And he wasn't motivated to No, he to was not motivated. He no. wasn't living with you fully. He was just... Like, he was happy. He just wanted to be with us. He was the best husband ever when he was clean. Like, he was the most devoted husband, a devoted dad. We were out socializing with friends, with family, doing things all the time. But he didn't want to work. So the business would start going behind, being behind on things. Bosses would be calling him going, what's happening? The money in the account would obviously be going down because no money's coming in. So that's when he'd kind of get the pressure of like, I need to work. Like, I'm going to lose my business. So he'd start working This sounds very bizarre though. So what, he has zero work ethic or passion, no drugs. Yes. He's just completely unmotivated. That just seems so weird. Didn't he start the business without them? Yes. And then his friend got him into them. And then after that, he was pretty much relying on them to work. He couldn't work without them. Wow. Because he'd get in there and he'd be tired. He'd have no energy. And he'd be like, I don't want to be here. Like, I want to be at home in bed. So instead, he'd just do some meth. He'd have energy. He won't be tired. He'd get work done quick and he'd be home. So at this point, though, are you kind of like buying into the reasoning as well? Like, yeah, like, well, 100%. okay, he isn't very productive. And then he goes out and he's really productive. So I guess that this thing is helpful. It would slowly, I wouldn't be able to notice straight away because he'd still be his normal self. And then it would slowly start to amp up that he'd start to be more withdrawn. And he kind of like just go into his shell a little. Like he didn't want to hang out as much. He didn't want to go anywhere, really. He'd just want to go to work and then, you know, just stay in. He'd be very quiet, very withdrawn. And over time, that would kind of start to pick up and then that's when I'd kind of be like, he's on it again. And then I'd check his messages and then I'd be like, yeah, he is. And then I'd have to build up the courage to say something because I I know it's going to end in an argument. And I don't want an argument. I'm not a confrontational person. I'm Mm. someone who's like, what's the problem? How can we fix this? Like, how can we move forward from this? Mm. Fast track me then, because I'm feeling this goes on now for a few years, the cycle of Uh it's okay, it's not okay, it's okay, it's not okay. What was a moment in time for you that you were like, nah, this is not going to work for me? It was at the point where it's kind of like the last chance. We're at a house, the same cycle was going on and on, and at this point his family found out. Um, and his mum came down to see him and he just, same thing, just brushed it under the rug as if you guys don't know what you're talking about. It's nothing like, it's not as bad as the world makes it out to be. I can easily stop. I don't need it. Like you don't understand. So not only then did I have him to deal with, I had all his family calling me going, what's happening? Like, what are you doing about this? Right. Okay. And when this is all happening and they're, looking to you for answers. Is anyone going, we need an intervention, we need to do something Yeah, so he, we, had, like the, we had many interventions. Okay. So his parents came down, they both tried to say something to him individually. It didn't really work. And at that point I confided in my best friend, who's almost, so my cousin, and she was so understanding and so helpful. And I was researching counselors, psychologists, everything on what I could do, rehabs, like Mm. anyone specializing in ice. We went and seen this first male one together. He was very cutthroat to him, which he didn't like. He hated the whole conversation was just so heated that I was waiting for someone to come in the room to tell us to be quiet. Okay. Because that's how heated it was getting. And I just remember him saying to him, it always stuck with me going, do you know what the statistics are of this? And he said, yes. And he goes, well, do you want to be a statistic? Because the way you're going, you're going to be a statistic. And I just remember that. And then after that, I think he was clean for a little bit, which didn't stay long. And then I was obviously researching more. I found this one in like 30 minutes from me and she specialized in ice. So I went and seen her. 
And like they all say to me, at some point you're going to have to draw a line in the sand and only you will know when enough is enough for you. Yeah. So I went back and told him enough's enough. Like this isn't good for me or for our daughter or for our family. Like that's it. You need to stop and you need to go see her or I'm going to leave. Wow. And how did that go? It was very quiet for like a day, but he booked in, he went and seen her. He was really good for about five months. And in that time, life was amazing. Like we were so in love, like everything was perfect. Like I'd never been happier. And in that time, I I believed he was going to stay clean. Like that's what he wanted and that's what was happening, you know? Yeah. That's what was in front of my eyes. And in that time, we started trying for our next baby and I got pregnant and everything was amazing and it was all perfect. And then things slowly started to come back again. So when that happens, right, and you see whether it's a text or you know that he's on it again and you're pregnant now with another child, yeah, what's the next step? Um, it's just fights, really, like of me trying to save our marriage, like of me trying to save him on my own. Mm. And I feel like I'm the only one fighting for it, like trying to save someone who doesn't want to be saved although I thought he did want to be saved and how frustrating it is just does my head in like all I wanted was him I didn't care for the money I didn't care for anything else all I wanted was him like I was willing to do anything like sell anything move anywhere like all I wanted was him from this do you leave um not at that point He stopped again for a while and it was really good. And then our daughter was born and I think she was four weeks and I was just about to go somewhere with some friends. And I checked his phone just one time and I found um, pictures in his phone of dick pics that he'd taken of himself. Dick pics? This is a little bit of a like, this is like a different angle. I was thinking it would be drugs. No, it was of himself. And I just instantly felt sick and was like shaking and felt like faintish and like numb, like, and that's not what I expected to find. And I just said to him, what the hell are those? And he just said, what? And I said, you're cheating on me. And he goes, no, I'm not. I said, you're cheating on me. And he just was adamant that he wasn't and that he hasn't. And I said, well, you are. And I said, I just found those photos. He had said that he didn't cheat. And I said, well, that is cheating. Like, that oh, so was he's a saying he didn't like, follow through no, and no, have so sex with No, so pretty much he admitted, he said that he went on a site called Ashley Madison. I never knew what it was until he, he said it's a site where married people go on to cheat with other married people. <gasps> oh. And I was like, what? And he was like, I didn't do anything. I just spoke to some people, but I'm pretty sure they were just like robots, like, you know, the fake computers. It wasn't actually anything. And I said... Are you kidding? I'm confused. Isn't he? uh, How does he have the effort or time? Like when he's hiding a drug addiction, Mm -hmm. like because it feels like apart from the drug addiction, you guys were a solid unit. Well, I just said, why would you do that? And he said it was just after you gave me the ultimatum of that I needed to stop and see that that psychologist or you were going to leave. He said, I just felt so lonely and I had no one to talk to. And I just was like, how the fuck do you think I feel? I sleep at night every night with our daughter next to me in bed while you're at work alone. Put it sharing your stiffy around town. Do you think I feel, and this is what you want to do, you want it because you're lonely. Like how the hell do you think I feel? There's nothing that makes me more irate and like cheating is horrific, but cheating on someone that is pregnant or just has a small child, the rage I get for people that can do that to a woman Mm -hmm. is like extraordinary. So I get where you're at. And at this point, I mean, you're dealing with someone, there's like two strikes here. You know, but you're also in a vulnerable position because you've just given birth. What's your next step? Like when you go to his parents and he's obviously making excuses and all of the things. And again, you want to believe them because it's easier because it, 
and also you need stability. You need yeah. your home and your husband and all of the things. Yeah. Do you stay for a while? Yeah, I do because I believe in him that he was like I never did anything and on and off and then we decided to buy another a, a house. We got our like our dream family home. It was acreage in a suburban area. It was like all we've ever wanted and it was like our forever home for our daughters, you know, like to give them everything and more. And that house was meant to be the fresh start. There was no meth there, no ice there. Like, you know, he was like, it's just what I needed. I feel like this house, I just associate with my addiction, you know. I just need a new environment, a new area to move to. So we did. We moved and um, he was painting it before, like, we moved in. And then I found out he was high on meth while he was painting the house because how else was he going to paint the house? Um, So that was heartbreaking And then we moved in, everything was good for a while until um, the paranoia and the psychosis started. What happens with the paranoia and what happens with the psychosis? That was like a really dark place. It was really scary. Yeah. Because it was all directed at me. Back when I first found out he was doing drugs... And I would see the messages. I didn't have long to like sit there and scroll through the messages. So I would quickly take a photo on my phone to read them later. And I was like, well, I can't have these just like sitting in my phone. So I downloaded like a secret calculator app. Oh, yes. I know the one. Yeah. To put the photos in to read so that he wouldn't know they were there. And I made it a code so that I, you know, he wouldn't know what it was, but I forgot it. And that was back before anyone knew he was doing drugs, like not his family, nothing. And it was just one night, well, I was, I was sleeping. Our eldest like co-sleeps with us and sleeps in the middle. And he got home from work and I remember rolling over and just seeing him laying in bed next to us on my phone. I didn't think anything of it because like, you know, we had full trust in each other. So I'd never done anything, you know, nor had he again. So I didn't think anything of it. And then he just, next minute, I remember him waking me up going, enter the code. And I was like, what? And he was like, enter it. And he had the calculator app open. And I said, I don't know it anymore. I forget it. And he was like, enter it. And I said, I forget what it is. Like, and he was adamant. I had like naked photos of myself in there that I've been sending to guys. Right. Okay. And I just said, it's, it's just screenshots of you buying meth. Like that's all it is. And he was just adamant. I was a liar. And Adam and I was lying and I knew the code. And I said, I don't know the code. And I was trying for him. And at this point, I was getting really scared of because his behavior was exactly how you would imagine someone going through full-blown paranoia would be. Like, and then he was trying to find my old phone. And he was... So he was quite manic. So manic. He was searching the house, trying to find my old phone, like looking under the beds, pulling everything out of the drawers, like looking under the toilet lids, like in the toilet filters, like searching everything in the house, pulling crap out everywhere, trying to find this phone. And I'm just there, like just woken up in a, you know, complete frazzled state going like, what are you doing? I haven't done anything. Like, I swear, like Mm. I'm just pleading and begging, you know, and it just stemmed from there. All this, it just never went away. And the paranoia and the psychosis just got more and more and more and scarier and scarier. So you feel like from that episode, he was lost. Yeah. He was lost in it and he couldn't get himself out of it. Did you ever have glimpses of the normal him again? Yeah. He'd come in at nighttime And he'd just hug me and he'd just be like, I'm so sorry. Like, I love you so much. And he'd just be like, I don't know why I just can't stop this. I just get obsessed and my, my brain won't let me stop. You know, I love you. And I know you would never do anything and all of that. And then the next morning he'd be the same. And then an hour later he'd be gone. And what about the kids? They don't know. Even to this day, I, that's the, one of the best things and my most kept secret. They do not know one single thing. I hid and protected them from every single thing. And what about when he was in a manic state? Did they, were they concerned? 
No, because he would kind of leave and go down to the shed or I would go, oh, just go in and play with your toys or hop on your iPad or, you know, like I would distract them or, you know, if I don't raise my voice, but when he would start to, our eldest would come out and she'd be like four and a half, five at this point and she'd be like, she'd get angry at him and be like, stop being mean to my mum. He'd be like, no, this is your mum's fault. Like, and she'd be like, no, you're hurting my mum's feelings. Go away. And yeah, the paranoia just stemmed from there. Like I wasn't allowed any phones. He, he was adamant. I had a second SIM in my phone and I had a secret phone that I was hiding and I was a prostitute and all the prostitute sites he would go on and screenshot photos of because he thought they looked like me because they don't have their face in them. All the wow. dating apps. How are you going to be downloaded? How, how are you supposed to be a sex worker with the children and oh, all yeah. the responsibilities? I'm and- very talented, apparently. <laughs> Like you'd be very busy. Oh yeah, I was. Um, all the dating apps he downloaded because he added. He was adamant I was on them, and he'd so come he home. So he would just scroll through to look yes. for you. He would come home at ten o'clock at night and just storm in the house to meet, like to be like, "What are you doing?" Like at six o'clock when I'm with the girls, you're just been on an app. I'm like, "No, I haven't," because he was. He just found some girl who didn't have a photo who sounded like me, and. Or he or thought I had different bank accounts and I was cycling money that I was remotely hacking into his computer and his softwares and his Facebooks and deleting things. And I was sneaking men in in the laundry in the middle of the night, even though our daughter co-slept with us. And he'd come home in the middle of the night and just storm in the house because he'd seen someone going down the street at nighttime, like, you know, going to their car or walking into the home. And he was adamant I just had a man in the house. Wow. All the parrot, like I did martial arts. He was adamant I was sleeping with everyone. He'd download all my call lists. He'd call through all the numbers on there to see who they were and who I was calling. And did you find that out through other people? Like your husband? No, he did it in front of me. Oh my gosh. All of this was in front of me, like demanding for answers. And he'd, all the things he would, like he'd take all the technology out of the house and we, like the girls' iPads, everything. We weren't allowed anything. He bought like a $300 tracking device and put it on my car because he was adamant I wasn't going where I said I was going. He would hack into my email and my iCloud and two-factor authentication it up to his mobile number and his email and take hold of my phone and everything so I couldn't do anything. So now it got really abusive. Like it was, it was next level, but he'd still have those moments where he would come out of it. So the highs and the lows of it were insane. Like he'd be so apologetic and so loving that I would feel so in love and things were so amazing for that short period of time. And then the next day they'd be gone and I'd be left like heartbroken and physically ill. How long did this take for you to be like, I cannot keep going through this cycle in the end I called his 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 dad and I just said something's not right (laughs) he thinks I'm doing all these things and I'm not doing these things he's adamant I'm doing all this stuff that I'm not doing like I don't know what to do like he has paranoia and psychosis and then his parents called him which flipped made him flip out and then he we booked in to see a psychiatrist so we went to the psychiatrist together and she kind of said in the room how are you doing to him and he kind of just said oh yeah you know we're just experiencing marriage troubles at this point had he withdrawn from the drugs or was he nope. still using he was still using okay and using a lot I suspect yes okay and he said oh it's just her she's doing things And she looked at me and I just started rattling off the things he thought I was doing. And she, he, she just said, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like I have seen this before. This is psychosis. And he just went off. No, it's not. You don't even know what it is. Rah, rah, rah. She's doing these things. And she just said, I've seen this all before. You have it. Like, and he was adamant that he didn't have it. So she told him. I'm going to put you on an anti-psych, which he was not happy about at all. And she just said, look, if anything, it's just going to help you sleep better. If you don't have the paranoia, that's fine. It's not going to do anything for that. You'll still be able to live your life. But if anything, it's going to help you sleep better, which is what you need anyway. Did he take it? Not for a while. He was adamant that he didn't need it. And in the end, he said, I'm only taking this for our daughters, not for you. 
you don't deserve it, he still blamed me entirely, would just make me feel like physically ill. Like, you know, that my husband, the person I love more than anything, could think I was doing these things, you know? It's just such a strange place to be in when you've fallen in love with one person and now you're completely bamboozled and you're in you're in the chaos and you're in the madness of it all yourself and you think that this is you're just keeping up you yeah. know you're just keeping up but you also want to save salvage something because i see him and i see the person i love to marry so i was just begging and trying to save that person and i can still hear your heartbreak it is heartbreaking i don't know when it will stop to be honest <laughs> I can hear that. I can hear how you've lost somebody almost like a death, you know, like you lost the one person that you love so much to something else. Yep. After that antipsychotic and he started to take it, did you see change? Yeah. He didn't mention the paranoia at all anymore. Any of those things he thought were happening were completely gone. You could tell he would still have those trust issues, but the constant obsession wasn't there anymore for it all. So things were good for a while and then kind of the same thing happened again. He, um, it was one night he was, had to go into work to do an hour of things. And I called him to go, oh, you're on your way home. And he just said, oh, no. I was just at his friend's house who he did work with as well. And I said, oh, okay you on your way home now? And he goes, oh, no. And I just said, you did it again, didn't you? And he just said, you don't understand. And I just hung up and I packed Aww. him a bag and I left it at the back door. And that was the first time I kicked him out and I left a note saying, I can't do this anymore. You need to go to rehab. Um, and that was, yeah, the first night, the first time I kicked him out really. So if it's the first time he's come back. Yeah. <laughs> so how many times? Um, three times I probably kicked him out. And then what was the final moment for you? After his third time in rehab, the first time he went for six days and that whole time I was getting abusive messages and all of those things, just blaming me. And then these are private rehabs, mind you. Um, Which means very it, expensive. Um, we had private health, so it's all covered. Okay. Which is amazing, but he still allowed his phone. So the first time was six days and then he left. And then still then I was the one trying to compromise what we could do to help him stay clean and all of those things, which was just fights and all of that. And the same thing, I look back now and I was the only one putting in the effort, you know? Yeah. And anytime he would go back, I would take such hurt and blame that I wasn't doing enough to help him. Mm-hmm. And all throughout this last bit, I was seeing a psychologist as well, which was amazing. And of that course. helped me necessary yeah because I was starting to get really bad anxiety and panic attacks um so he went to rehab the first time with six days he left I obviously wouldn't take him back so he was staying in motels the next time he went back for a day and then he checked himself out again and then he was staying in motels the last time he went back he stayed the full three weeks but he didn't put anything into it mm-hmm so he didn't get anything out of it. Um, and I told him I didn't want him to stay at home after those three weeks. I wanted him to stay at his mum's. Because I said, I want you to be able to leave if things are feeling overwhelming to you or if you need some time to decompress or, you know, like, you know how kids can be. Like if he's in those peak moments of anxiety, I, you know, I want him to be able to go and decompress, you know, not in front of our children. Of course. So that was good for a little bit. Um, and then he just slowly started to stay more, which was fine. You know, we are more in love than ever. 
and things were good for a while. Same as they always have been. Mm. And then COVID kind of hit. Oh, God. Yeah, everything was kind of in lockdown. We stayed at home a lot, which was amazing in its own way as well. Like, Was he using during that period? No. Okay. So from when he got out of rehab um, throughout COVID, it was probably about five months. So we were just doing stuff around the house, like renos and, you know, spending every day together. And, like, I'd never felt more in love in my life. Like, it just felt like like back from when we first met, you know, Mm. when you just can't keep your hands off each other and you're just so affectionate and, like, just we were so in love. Like, I'd never been happier. Is there a part of you, though, because you've gone through this 17 times or more, you know, this cycle of it's really bad, it's rock bottom, he comes back, you're madly in love, you're hopeful, the cycle continues, the cycle continues. Is there a part of you within that that's like this is the time, this is the one time, or is it like are you waiting for it to fuck up again? I was adamant this was a time because he's seen how much anxiety, like he's seen me have panic attacks. He's seen how much this was affecting me. Yeah. And I was adamant, I can't do this again. Like I can't go through this again. And he was adamant, you know, like even before him going into rehab those times, he'd be on his knees crying, begging to me to not have to go and that he won't do it again. And like to see a grown man crying on his knees in front of you, begging, like, it's heartbreaking to see. And I was adamant this was going to be it because he, I was like, he knows how much he put me through. He would not put me through this again. He would not put me through this again. And it just, yeah, one night I just, we were sitting around watching the girls play and I just said, I just had this feeling. I just looked at him and he just looked, I just looked at him and said, you've done it again, haven't you? And he just said, no. And I said, you have. And he said, no, I haven't. And I said, you have. And then the same thing, he just deflected and I just said, I'm done. And I just hopped up and walked off. And I was just like, I can't, I can't. I was mentally, physically, emotionally like tapped out. Like I had nothing left in me to give to it. Like I felt like hearing any of it anymore in my ears just made me want to scream. Like, I couldn't physically hear any of this anymore. Like, like I couldn't go through it again. Like, I was that traumatised by, like, you know, how scary he got. And, like, I didn't even say any of this really scary times. But, like, I didn't want to go through that again. I couldn't. I couldn't protect my kids from that again. Like... When you say scary times, are you talking about those moments of paranoia? Yeah, like he'd call me at work, like demanding I give answers and screaming at me, and I'd be like, "Don't come home!" Like I'm not, I'm not discussing this right now. And I'd have to, I knew he would come home, and I'd have all the doors locked, and I'd have my daughter's in the in the bedroom with, like, you know, here's some snacks, and I have their iPad on full ball with the door shut while he's banging at the screen at the glass door threatening to smash it if I didn't open this door while like they can't hear and like you know the amount of times he would get drunk and I'd have to hide his keys and like just just the way he was when he was in that peak time because he would drink as well and he'd just, you know, come in writing letters that I'm ruining our family and I'm breaking us up and this is all my fault because I'm not being honest with him and that I just need to be honest and that things will be okay again. Just tell him what I've done. Like, he doesn't care. Like, you know, he doesn't want to lose me and our family. I just need to be honest. And, you know, like, going, I'm going to go wake up our eldest and tell her that I'm the reason our family's breaking up and that this is all my fault. Like, the things that does to your mental health, like... You sound completely worn down by this now. Like I was, I was done. Like I couldn't, like after what I'd gone through, like, and I'm not someone who's ever had anxiety or depression or panic attacks. So to be getting those, 
so constant now. Like, like I couldn't eat like all of those things mm. while trying to be a mum. Like, what's the saying I heard? I was setting myself on fire trying to keep him warm. Yeah. And that's exactly how I felt towards the end. Tell me about the end. I just said I needed to move out, which obviously he didn't want. And I just said it doesn't have to be for forever. I just need a break. I just said I need you to wake up in the mornings and want to do this because you want to do it, not because I'm there telling you to do it. Mm. So, you know, once his family kind of knew it was again as well, they just said, no, that's it. You need to go. Like, you know, those kids did not to be asked to be born into this. You brought them into this and your number one role is to protect them. Yeah. So that's what I did. You know, things were pretty awkward and pretty silent for a while until I got a rental, you know, and it was an adjustment going from a four bed, you know, two living area pool acreage to a two bedroom apartment. (laughs) But I kind of made it out to be like a holiday to my daughters, you know, and the whole time, you know, I was scared to leave because my psychologist would say to me, why? And I said, because I know what's going to happen after I leave. What is that? He's going to spiral. And did he? Yep. (laughs) If not more. Did that impact you even when you were away? Even to this day, it still impacts me. Like, you know, he's fully gone now. And I don't know if he's ever going to come back. I'm sorry. You know, it hurts because I see... Even though it's not him, it is physically his body. Yeah. And I just have those memories of, like, our family before and what we were and what he is now. Since then, I moved out and I knew he would go straight back on it, which he did. And he was spending about $3,000 a week on it. Mm. After that, I just went numb. Like, I went completely dead inside I slipped into a really deep dark depression and like if I didn't have my kids I probably wouldn't have been able to get out of bed in the morning I was I was dead I felt numb like I just felt like a robot operating there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss that's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss which parts of this is the most devastating is it losing the love of your life is it the betrayal which part is the part that you're still suffering like it's all of it really like the betrayal the hurt the lies like everything do you still miss him do you still want him would you still be with him if he could Do you believe it could change? I don't think it will change, to be honest. Like, unless something miraculous happens to him, I don't think he has it in him, to be honest. I feel like it's got too much of a hold on him. Has he hit a rock bottom? I don't even know. Like, even now. I think losing you guys would be the rock bottom. Oh, gosh, (laughs) no. He has heart failure now. He's smoked his heart away. Is that how he takes meth? He smokes it? Yeah. So since I left, I, after like he started accusing me again, I pretty much just went dead inside and stopped replying to pretty much anyone. So I would get about 60 messages a day and about 10, 20 calls from him a day that I wouldn't answer. And they'd be back and forth between, I hate you, you're, you know, every swear word under the sun until. I love you. I just, you mean the world to me. I'm going to do this for our family. You have no idea how much I love you all day. And then in the end, I I called a lawyer because I just said, what do I do? Like Mm. all I want are his actions. I don't want his words and all he's ever been is words. And he just said, you need to get a protection order. That's not okay. You know? Um, Did you? 
Yeah. So can he, he can no longer contact you and the girls? No, he can't contact us. The judge granted us an immediate one based on just his threatening messages alone. Are you scared? You know, which, no, I, I was, but I, I wasn't. It's hard because it's like I know the person I know would never harm me or our girls. I know he loved us more than anything, but I don't know who this person is. But now I don't feel scared. I feel pretty confident and secure in myself now, you know, which was something I had to get back after all of that as well. Of course, of course. <laughs> um, but after I got the protection order, it was even, I think it was like a few weeks before that, my lawyer advised me to take some savings out of our account, which I did. And after that, he pretty much locked me out of all the accounts, cancelled my phone, cancelled my car, cancelled everything. So I had no money, no car. I had a car, but I had no car insurance. I had no phone plan, like nothing. And at that point, he was still hacked into all of my devices, which I didn't know. Mm -hmm. um, so he was still reading all of my things. And I got the protection order. He got served. And then even after he got served, literally 10 minutes later, he sent an abusive, threatening message to his stepmom about me. So that is got a big, that's a big question because we do have lots of people that listen that are in similar situations or trying to flee domestic violence situations as well. This is very personal, but like financially, apart from taking that money from the savings, did you have a plan? No, <laughs> I you never were just thought like, I have to survive today. I never thought any of these things he was going to do, he's done. And every time I've said, even up until now, he would never do that. He's proved me wrong. Mm. So I took out some of my super as well. So I was set for a little bit, but I had to get single parent benefits from Centrelink. Do you know if he's still working? Is he still no, functioning? No, we lost, we lost our business um, because of his addiction. He stopped paying our mortgage on our family home. So what happened to the house? So I had to get a warrant. So he had seven days to vacate. He never vacated the house. I had to get the warrant executed. And he had to be removed from the house with his new junkie girlfriend and her children. Um, and just walking into that house of what was my home with my kids' home, it was like an out-of-body experience. Like I didn't have any emotional attachment to it. It was just heartbreaking to see what was my house and what it's turned into and how disgusting it was. Like I found their ice pipes in a bag with their dildo. Like my kids' brand new furniture that I had stored in the garage in the corner for when we got a house, a bigger house, was being used by her children with just crap all over it. Like just seeing those things, that it, it broke my heart. So tell me then about your kids. How are they currently? Because, you know, especially the elder one has grown up with moments yeah. of having this beautiful experience yeah. of a family and a father. Yeah. Where are things now? She struggled a lot because we have no contact with him. Not because I haven't tried. I've tried numerous times. Um, he just doesn't try at all. He has not contacted her one bit. I set up phone calls with him after, you know, and I said they needed to be consistent at the same time this day every week. If you can't make it, you need to let me know. The first call went really well. The next call, he didn't answer. He didn't know what day it was. And then after that, I just said, look, it's obvious you're still using. Once you start to get clean, let me know and I'll reinstate the calls. But he does not, not for her birthday, not for her first days of school, not for Christmas, nothing. He does not try one single thing. I'll hear from him occasionally when he, he's coming down and he's abusive and asks for a photo or something like that. But otherwise, he's, he does not contact to see how they are at all, which is heartbreaking on its own that these beautiful children that we made, that he doesn't care. And all these parenting milestones that he's missing out on that he doesn't want to know about. You sound still bewildered, you know. It still sounds like parts of this for you are unbelievable 
It is. I can't fathom like what has actually happened and what is still happening, you know? Like our eldest, she struggled so much with it. Like she cried so much. She thinks her dad doesn't love her. She thinks it's her fault because she's hurt him and that's why he doesn't want to see her or he doesn't want to be with her or he doesn't want to be a family. Like she blamed herself for so long. And I, she's seen the psychologist for a long time who did amazing things with her and has helped her understand. And, you know, what I explain to her now with the psycho, you know, from guidance with a psychologist is that he's not well in the head and it's not like he can go to hospital or see a special doctor. Like there is special doctors he can see, but he's choosing not to see them because he isn't well. That's so hard. It's so hard. And she knows, you know, that it's his choice and that all we can do is, is focus on ourselves and the choices we make. Mm. And that, you know, although we love him and he's not with us, we always have the memories in our heart of him. And, you know, she still thinks he's the best person ever because I've not said one single thing about any of this, you know, to her, I still love her dad more than ever because I, I do love that person that I knew. Yeah. So she still thinks he's amazing. And then our youngest has no memory of him at all. (laughs) So then what comes of all of this? Like, where does this leave you now? It's been heartbreaking because I've had to go from like having an amazing family, my life, my future planned out to having the future of my children and my life put on myself for me to figure out what's happening now and to pick up the pieces from all the destruction he's left behind. So that's been heartbreaking of figuring out who I am as a person while trying to parent and go through my own anxiety and depression and care for my children while they don't doubt themselves that their dad doesn't love them and still provide for them and give them a good childhood and life. Yeah. Like it's a lot of roles I have to juggle. (laughs) I mean, he's obviously dating. Yeah. Uh, is that uh, is that an option for you yet? I mean, not at the moment. Like, even though he is dating, I don't really call it dating. It's just codependency of him having someone else to do drugs with, you know. They break up every other week. It's a toxic, violent relationship, you know, like all addiction relationships are. It mm. doesn't last. Mm. But... No, I'm just focusing on myself and my children. I don't think I'm in the right headspace at all to be dating, nor do I want to. Like, I'm kind of repulsed by all men at the moment. <laughs> yeah. I'm a bit I'm a bit scarred and traumatised, you know, and it's hard to want to move on when I had this soulmate-like love with someone that I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life with. It's just so fucked up, isn't it? Drugs and addiction. And this is the thing, because I actually spoke to an addict this week for another episode and she's currently clean and um, the monotony of, you know, like listening to your story for the past hour, the cycle, you know, the constant cycle is so monotonous. It's amazing the ones that come through that because of that cycle and that addiction and that, and what she explained it so well, it's like she was possessed, Yeah, you know, like she still existed somewhere down in there. Yes. The amount of hotlines I have called and ice people when I'm in the midst of breaking down and not sleeping and the way they describe it as if someone else is wearing his skin, but he's in there somewhere hiding. Oh, it's like and a horror film. It's like it a nightmare. It is horrible because at what po- point am I like, okay, so if you're telling me this isn't my husband, then what do I do? Although I don't hate him at all, I hate the choices he has made. And I still care for him, which I don't, like I don't, a lot of people might say why after all that he's done. But I still do and I still call to check in to see how he is and what is happening with him, you know. And even when I do that, it's just worse and worse. What does his family think? His family are very amazing. They've been my number one supporters throughout this, which is quite rare 
an addiction I find to have like an in-law family mm. that still support you through this but I'm closer with them than I am my own family and I spend Christmas with them and every other weekend with them and I'm very grateful and blessed in that area mm. and I feel like it's tough for them because obviously it's still their son you know and I totally get that I would never ever want them to abandon him but they're heartbroken as well because they see their son fully struggling in addiction that, you know, to everyone else, it's simple. Just go to rehab, go get help. Don't you want to get clean? But to the person in addiction, it's the opposite. Like, Does he look the same? Um, he gained heaps of weight before he went into hospital because his heart wasn't working. His body wasn't pumping fluid. So his lungs were filling up with fluid and he couldn't breathe. So he had about 15 kilos of extra weight. But he looks the exact same, except he just has sores on his forehead and his shoulders. But otherwise, he's still the exact same handsome person, which is why no one would ever suspect he's a meth addict. Wow. And this is, this is years. This is... Yeah. Like the amount of doctors we've seen over this period of him getting clean, like expensive specialists who analyze everything in your body to see how it's all going. And it's been fine. Like up until like even the dentist, they, he's told them and they go, your teeth are fine. Like up until now, since I left, he obviously like immersed himself completely into that world and like, you know, started how long dealing are we talking now that he's been in that world since yeah. I left in August 2020. Year and a half. Yeah. So since then, he fully immersed him. I, because I did not let him hang out with anyone in that world, any of those things. Um, and since I left, obviously, he's just fully immersed himself in that world. Like all his friends are in that world now. He was dealing, he was, you know, storing stolen items, he was selling stolen items. He just he became everyone a criminal. In that world. He became a criminal. Yeah. yeah. Like he has 10 charges out and he just keeps dodging court. Like, Wow. It's, it's heartbreaking. Our final question today is who are you when no one's watching? When no one's watching? Probably just someone who realises they're alone and, like, this is their life and still trying to work through the emotions to move forward. It's hard. So heartbreaking. Yeah, it's really hard. It's really hard, but I'm doing better than I was when I first left. And, you know, when you're in it, people will look at you and they say, it will get easier. It will get better. Just give it time. And in those moments, you don't feel like it's ever going to get better and that this is it for forever, you know? Mm. But over time, it does get better slowly by slowly. And, like, I'm able to enjoy things in life now unlike before you know for a while that I felt like the worst mum ever why take my girls to the park and stuff like that and although they'd be running around playing happy I would just be sitting there just watching them just feeling like death and like I'm dead inside like I wasn't able to have fun with them I just had no joy or happiness inside of me and now I'm just proud of myself and what I've gone through and how I've, you know, dealt with it and the life I'm giving my girls and I'm going to continue to give them on my own. Yeah. You're a wise woman. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Deep. If it's left you with any burning questions for me or our guests, please hit us up by direct message on Instagram at What's the Deep. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi. 
Hi everybody, it is Zoe here. Change is coming to the deep. I want to welcome you to Arise. It's uplifting, it's quirky, it's curious. It's all about the mindset and self-discovery to be more helpful and of service. During 16 of the Deep, you will hear some of these episodes and I'd love to hear what you think of them over on our Instagram at What's the Deep.